Welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello and welcome to another edition of the STR Data Lab. I'm Jamie Lane, Chief Economist at AirDNA, and I'm here today with a guest, Michael Golden, the co-host of Good Morning Hospitality. Michael, welcome to the STR Data Lab. Jamie, pleasure to be on. It's uh, we, we see you once a month at GMH, but honored to be a part of your show this week. Yeah, and, and I, I joke at the beginning because while you're the co-host of Good Morning Hospitality, you wear, what, 10 different hats within the industry, advisor to many companies. You have our co-founder of Storied Collection, of Nook, of you've formerly been part of Rented and NoiseWare. You've been around this industry for so long. I know I've learned so much from you over the past couple of years. Could you just start with giving the audience a, a bit of your history in the industry and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I don't have more gray hairs than I do. Two kids, two startups, and being involved in the vacation rental industry in 2023. But <laughs> it's uh, it's been a journey. Yeah, I started it rented in 2014 or 15. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there for four years, led biz dev. We pivoted a few times along the way. And ultimately, uh, I ended up over with Andrew Schultz and Dave Krause over at NoiseAware. Had a really great time over there. The, the product at the time was very early. No one really knew the benefits and perks to it. And through a few strategic partnerships that I help arrange with Booking and Verbo and Airbnb, noise monitoring really became the, the norm and mainstream. So it was really fun to watch that, the evolution from what the heck is this? Is this thing listening to me? To headlines of house parties everywhere and we being the only solution on the market uh, at the time, at least. So did four plus years over at NoiseAware and then had an opportunity with a contact of mine that was at Airbnb at the time uh, or former Airbnb early days, Justin Hauge. And I had just gotten back from a trip with my wife to Ireland. We stayed in a couple castles coming out of COVID. We were literally the first plane that landed after Ireland opened up to Americans. And so the, the like border customs agents were asking us like, are you allowed to be here yet? And we're like, yep, today's the day. <laughs> and I... I swear in Ireland, we were the only Americans for the entire week that, that we were over there. It was really cool. But stayed in some castles, had incredible experiences, came back, was telling Justin about it when I was in Miami for, for a work trip. And he was in the process of planning his wedding at a manor house in the UK as well. And we ran into similar problems of you know, this really cool asset class, a really interesting niche. But... There were, there were certainly no standards. And because so many of these houses were passed down from family to family, hospitality was kind of in their genes, but it wasn't, <laughs> no one really knew hospitality. And so that kind of gave us a unique opening to take a soft brand approach similar to design hotels or Relais Chateau and formulate a niche for castles and manor houses. So when you say soft brand and... Coming from the hotel industry, I, I've got a sense of a soft brand, but for our listeners, like 
So are you, are you operating these properties or what, what aspect for these owners, operators, are you, are you solving for them? Yeah. So soft brand, if you look at a Marriott, Hilton, Hyatt, those are, those are the flags. Those are hard mm -hmm. brands. And the hard brands tell you how big your room has to be, what thread count of sheets you have to have, what type of TV you have in each room. A soft brand gets kind of that scale of a hard brand without telling you how to do things. Mm -hmm. So soft brands, SLH, preferred hotels, I, I mentioned design and relay, they all have a through line and they have brand standards that you have to hit. Certain yep. key counts, certain ADRs, certain aesthetic look, feel service offerings, et cetera. But the reason why people join them is because if you're a single independent site, you don't have a very big marketing budget to go to industry conferences, to do paid advertising, to have a sales team that does outreach for groups, tours, events, things like that. And so you join kind of a collaborative in this case that there's a lot of properties similar to yours Mm -hmm. in which everyone can benefit. And what's been really cool, especially as of really recently at Storied, when members throw in leads that they can't monetize for one reason or another, they're too big, too small, too expensive, whatever, those can circulate to other members within the, the network or, or the, the brand. And everybody ends up winning because... You know, these leads are are highly, highly valuable. I mean, our, our average ticket price is 17,000 pounds. So a single lead can really make or break a month. And so it's it's really cool to see the industry hasn't really worked that way. There's sometimes some weird rivalries between these families. But all in all, you know, the, the ones that we've ended up working with are really fantastic people. They're open-minded. It's kind of the new generation taking over the the family estate. I think our oldest is 16 generations back in in one family tree, one last name. So you know we're we're taking a market that hasn't had professional hospitality applied to it before, and helping professionalize it a little bit further, and making it known to Americans that you can actually book these places for for your company retreats. So AirDNA, I know you've got a good team size. The UK is is uh, a good middle ground for Spain and the US to to have an, a corporate offsite. So let yeah, me know so if you want to want to stay. <laughs> I those type of events because I assume you're talking. I most of them are what small, mid sized type hotels. Like, can you describe the type of properties that you guys are distributing? Yeah. And then, and how do you go about finding guests? Finding these. Like, is it your own direct website marketing? Like, how are, how are you filling these properties? Yeah, so it, uh, a few layers there. Our, our houses range from seven bedrooms on the small side mm -hmm. to uh, being able to sleep in the 50s or 60s. So they, they do kind of scale pretty heavily. Mm -hmm. Most of our, our houses have additional dwelling units on site, whether it's a farmhouse conversion, a gatehouse, a guest house, whatever. Um, so they can they can typically sleep twenty plus. The typical stay is going to be three or four nights. It's like a six month lead time is is average, and they're big wedding spots. If it's in Scotland, then it's you know golf or whiskey tourism. Often, if it's England, it's history or just you know, groups of group travel, 
getting outside of London often for the first time. And then what's been really interesting lately is is this retreat segment that people host these micro retreats, whether it's we've had golf retreats, we've had influencer retreats, health, art, photography, uh, spiritual retreats. And our houses are really well suited for all of those segments. If you're interested mm-hmm. in photography, then here's the five different eras that this house went through from Victorian to Edwardian to Georgian, right? And then I would say our average finger to the wind acreage per site is is over a thousand acres. So there are vast amounts of lands that you can hike, do foraging, explore the the gardens. A lot of them have formal you know, British style gardens. So it's it's really a cool experience, especially for retreats, getting outside of city centers and all the distractions. And you know, we we've done retreats. Uh, I, I host one every year, and when we do it in a city, you know, after the the last activity at night, you know, half the crowd breaks out and goes out until three a.m. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you just end up. And we did this at at Gilmerton House in April. You just end up shooting flaming arrows off the front lawn and having a, having a great time. It's just incredible. So the the experiences that, that go along with that are really going to be left with the employees or the the retreat goers for a very long time. So so Demi, the CEO of AirDNA, I know you're listening to the podcast. A great uh, idea for our uh, company offsite come this fall. Yeah. I mean, uh, a couple of our houses have Michelin star chefs that, that come with it too. So you're not going to be lacking in the food and bev department either. So would love to help you out. And and so getting more into the distribution, and because I assume that's the main service you're providing for these for these properties, is it primarily, and you promoting the storied collection website and getting people going and inquiring there or? And is it, and you calling on all these companies and sort of pitching it? Like what, what is that process? Is it hand to hand combat out there with your, your flaming arrows, getting people to come into the property? Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> um, none of our houses, to my knowledge, do any outbound efforts, Okay, which means when we do them, they can be highly fruitful because mm-hmm. retreat organizers, at least in the exclusive use segment, are not used to getting contacted about, hey, we'd love to invite you to, to stay at one of our manor houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that definitely works. But we've picked a niche that there's, there's, there's no other players. So we can rank really high in SEO really quickly. And we've been around for right at about a year now. And we're, we're ranking very high in, in a lot of the key word searches that, that we're aiming for. So that's another one. And then we've done some very strategic marketing with uh, a couple, the American Viscountess is what it's called, mm-hmm. but Julie Montague married into the Montague family, which is in the Earl of Sandwich line and uh, have a beautiful estate called Mapperton. But they've got an awesome YouTube channel that anyone that's interested in historic houses and castles and manor houses in the UK subscribes to her channel. And so we've done some advertising with them and very niche, very targeted market. But again, something that none of our individual houses could afford on their own. But as part of a group, the shared costs, we're able to to do that for everyone's benefit. 
And so how many units, listings, rooms are you guys up to now? Um, so we've got 12 castles. The average bedroom count is 12. The starting price is just over 250 pounds per bedroom per night. Now that's not peak season, not weekend, but I know how you love to dynamically price. Most of our houses still price in a, an antiquated way. You know, we want to slowly pull all of our houses towards being a little more tech forward. And the ones that have really embraced it, shout out to Dunsky Estate in Port Patrick, Scotland, but they nail the technological side and it shows in their numbers. So it is something that you know we we will continue to adopt and slowly ad- adopt, but it definitely pays off. Is that something you guys will be able to help sort of craft for these homes? I know being part of the storied collection of sort of showing best practices of like how others are doing it, how you think they should be doing it, given your sort of vast experience in the in the industry. Yeah. So. It- couple points there. We've got our first members retreat in a month, uh, a month from today, actually in Dublin. So we're bringing all of our house owners to Dublin for two days. Uh, and, and the thought is really, as a brand, the, the sum is greater than the, the parts. And when we can get them all to know each other and trust one another and share leads back and forth and share ideas and you know, the, the community as a whole is going to be better. We also have a relationship with Altito, who manages a couple of the houses, and that's been really fruitful. You know, we don't do the boots on the ground, and currently we're, we don't do the the pricing or guest communications. We're top of funnel lead gen, branding, marketing, and then we send it as soon as the the lead is warm. We send it to the houses. So Altito has been a great partner. Uh, we've referred some business their way, and and likewise. So kind of a collaboration with what Justin and I have learned in our 20 plus years in the industry and what Altito does on a day-to-day basis, you know, can can be quite fruitful for some of these houses. Yeah. So 12 listings, that's given the sort of scale of these properties is seems like a lot in a very short period of time since you launched. So, and I know you're very thoughtful about these sort of things. Like what do you see as the opportunity? Is it 20, 30, 50 homes in the UK and Ireland? Is it expanding throughout all of Europe? And how do you guys see the opportunity in this castle space? Yeah, it's very niche, right? We're not looking at a TAM of 10 million properties. Right. That said, it is green fields for us and there's no one else really kind of playing in this. And it's an, an interesting segment for the big hotel brands because they don't have a group groups-driven engine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have a thesis that will get scooped up in four or five years by one of the flags. But our goal is to get the top, to brand the top five to 10% in each country. So Mm -hmm. in the UK, I mean, you've got all the data. In the UK, there's about four to 500 houses that are open to the public. So we're looking at 30 to 40 is is what we're aiming for. In France, there's 12, 1300. So we can, we can get up to a hundred in France. Italy, Spain have Similar amounts, you know, five, six hundred. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we started in, in the UK and Ireland because of ease, language, et cetera. But I'm actually onboarding someone that's going to help us in France right after this recording. So, you know, we, we certainly are going to be expanding into additional markets. We don't want to diminish or dilute the brands. We, we could probably be at 20 properties by now, but 
they would kind of hurt the overall quality. So we've visited a few, turned some away. We've had some great ones, but the owners just weren't good fits for you know what we're trying to build as a a community that that everyone's helpful, beneficial, kind, et cetera. And so yeah, I, I think we've got we've got a long way to go. We're still in the very early innings. We've learned a lot. We've made mistakes. You know, I, we're at twelve now. We we should get to fourteen by the end of the year if we get a couple of these contracts signed. Our target was fifteen, so we're we're just shy of that. But we've learned kind of the formula and what size and style houses are are most interesting to our clients on the guest side. So on property acquisition, is it literally just that you've got a list of 400 homes and you just figure out who owns them and you're just ticking them off one by one, almost like you're a property manager and a, a vacation destination that you've got the list of homes in your city, you know who owns them and you just have to kind make of. contact and make your pitch? Kind of. But as you could, could imagine, a lot of these folks are pretty, I don't want to say secluded, but pretty insular. They're mm-hmm. hard to get in touch with, right? They literally are, you know, X number of seats away from the crown in, in some cases. We, we've got the property of the Duke of Bucklew, his childhood home in Scotland. He's rumored to have something like 250,000 acres of land. He's one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest guy in Scotland. Beautiful estate. We've got one. He has four others on the acreage that, that we'd love to get at some point eventually. But he doesn't just answer the phone, right? You have to kind of network your way in with, with these folks and build a good reputation. And that's really, you know, we, we could go faster, but we want to make sure we're, we're very thoughtful in doing things the right way because reputation matters. And one of our, our early investors pretty much said, like, you build this to be a club for this type of person and it's they're going to invite their friends. Mm-hmm. And we've started to see that, which is super cool. We, we, I was on the phone with the Earl of Oxford on Friday last week. There was a referral from another one of our houses that is an Earl of, of, of somewhere else. So it's a fascinating world. How I ended up at and it is, is a little mind-blowing, but it's pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so maybe maybe zooming out a bit, I mean, now that you've got this view of the hotel industry, you've got this ho- view of the short-term rental industry, I think there's a lot of other sorts of sort of niche hospitality that you've been sort of moving into. Like, do you see these industries converging into just broader hospitality or see do you see them maybe diverging yeah (laughs) no i i think a big convergence will happen at some point and i i don't know exactly how it looks it's tough you know the the marriott route is tough homes and villas trying to brand a house on hilton head i love the way that's also managed by vacasa and and owned by yeah like yeah i mean to be fair that's how the hotel industry works there's owner, there's management, there's flag, and there's investors, right? So there's there's already four silos, which is no different than how vacation rentals ultimately work now. But often there just isn't a flag associated with it. There's just a management company that might have a, a bit of a local brand, but no national or global presence. Mm-hmm. I do think there will be more to come on the hotel blending. We've already kind of seen it with Marriott announcing their apartments brand 
to take on the short metals and urban markets. But it's going to be tough for anyone to outcompete a vacation rental company in 30A or Hilton Head because people that go there are families and they they don't want to stay share a hotel room. Like I I'm taking my family for the first time to a single hotel room tomorrow night. So I'm a bit worried about it. We're already not sleeping. I've got a, a four-year-old and a, a three-month-old. So we'll see how this goes, but we're just doing one night. But there, there's a lot of benefits to the vacation rental side of things. And travelers, once they're exposed to it, want to con- continue to pursue that. So I know there's going to be more and more convergence. And I think this this niche branding is a, a great route to kind of pair the two up. And if, if I may, I'll, I'll share a broader thesis and, and something else that I, I've been working on. Uh, since Airbnb rolled out categories a year or two ago, maybe you know exactly when that happened, but I love it. And, and we see it at Storied all the time where people, they don't know where they want to go. They say, I've got a group of 15 people. Where can I stay in April? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, Scotland, England, Wales, Ireland, like doesn't matter to us. We just want to stay in a castle. Great. Well, here's, you know, price points and sizes and all of that. So people are actually starting to travel by categories. So I've got this broader thesis that, you know, there, there's two ways to make money. There's, you can bundle like Airbnb did, or you can unbundle. And so my, I'm on a mission to unbundle and brand the top five to 10% of the categories and ultimately, hopefully sell those off to the hotel flags that can then basically bring pseudo short-term rentals with more of a hotel feel and kind of bridge the gap that it's going to be a great guest experience. So Castles and Manor Houses was first with Storied. And then there's the outdoor hospitality, outdoor hotels, landscape hotels, glamping, whatever you want to call it, tree houses, cabins. That's the next category, and we're calling it Nook. So we're going to be launching in January, so coming soon. And we've got some really fantastic properties that are truly one of a kind, Instagrammable, great experience, blending true hospitality with nature, which is a a big push. And it's... I think after COVID, people realize we're meant to be in nature after being locked in cities for so long. It it really is good for your soul. And so there's so many similarities between castles and a glamping site in the middle of nowhere. It's a bit wild, but one of my investors in Storied, uh, the Pontius family, Dave Pontius, was the CEO at Hilton, CEO at Blue Green, CEO at RCI. So deep, deep hospitality routes, 40 years in, in resorts. And he's wanted to attack the outdoor hospitality space for a long time. And I think we're timing it really well. There's a huge rise, and, and you can see it in the AirDNA numbers, a huge rise in the, the desire for travelers to want to go to glamp sites and the number of glamping units that are becoming available year over year. I mean, I, I'm talking with 20 or 30 that are going to be opening up next year alone. Um, so there's it's definitely a, a hot segment within hospitality. But usually in the middle of nowhere, usually single sites, usually owned or operated by someone that doesn't come from hospitality. It's a it's a passion project. It's family land, whatever. So the similarities are actually remarkable. And 
you know, now that I've learned a lot from storied, I can help rinse and repeat and, and make this thing happen a little bit faster. So that's, yes. that's coming soon. That that's a really interesting. And one, the sort of unbundling the categories and I want to do, I've got some questions uh, further about that, but just digging in a bit further on, on Nook, it was a really popular play during COVID on sort of real estate Twitter was around buying RV parks and converting them, maybe making them a little bit nicer, adding some amenities, trying to essentially double the rate. Yeah. I don't get a sense this is the play that you're doing though. It's and are you're going off after what the high end of glamping? Like, am I gonna Yeah, what we're in five star, right? And glamping is a, a dirty word to a lot of our properties. Yeah. Um, you know, in AirDNA data, they're probably gonna be lumped in as glamping units. But a yurt in the middle of nowhere could have a dirt floor or it could have heat, air conditioning, running water, a fridge, you know, a, a kitchenette, right? So it, it can really kind of run the scale there. And yes, we do have standards on running water and bathrooms and units. And for us, again, similar to story, events and retreats are a, a big component of our strategy. So it's got to have event space. It doesn't have to have food and bev on site, although most of ours do or are building it soon. Mm-hmm. But it has to be able to bring in a chef or, or catering. So a good group activity. And to your point, we've seen some brands, and I won't call any out specifically, but the repeat business rate for one of those COVID darling properties is in the single digits, which is remarkably low. Mm -hmm. Once you've stayed in an Airstream in the Poconos, you're probably not going to go stay in an Airstream in Tahoe, right? You've kind of checked that box. So we want kind of a variety of unique, more one of a kind than just an Airstream type of properties where people can check the box, but they stay within the Nook network. Okay. But on the consistency and expectations that go around with the brand, and it's it's a four or five star experience that someone's going to get with Nook. Yeah. It's not the 150 a night ADRs. So we're, we're going to be double that typically. And- Again, and on your distribution seems like something that would go over really well with influencers, different ways to get yep. that brand out there, get the types of units and the experience that you'd get with Nook as opposed to booking somewhere else. 100%. And that's that's an interesting kind of delineation between the properties that are really good at hospitality, they come from the hotel world, typically suck at social media. But these people that have built their passion products, passion projects, crush it. We have an 11 key site in, uh, in Texas that's got 50, 60,000 followers on Instagram. Like only a tiny fraction of that could have ever stayed in it because it's only been open for two years. But it's aspirational. And those are the types of properties that we want. We want people to ooh and ah over the imagery. And then when they get there, they can really just relax in nature. We, we sent out a, a press stay to that site over Thanksgiving and she saw deer in the, you know, running by the, the units while sitting in the hot tub drinking champagne. Like just cool experience, right? Uh, you're not going to get that at Marriott in downtown Atlanta. But 
it sounds like you're making outdoor accessible to the masses too of you're not going to be sleeping on the floor with a with an air mattress no it's got to be comfortable um and part of that's you know me projecting myself into a brand my brother can go <laughs> sleep in the woods for a month right and be super happy yeah if i don't have air conditioning in a bed i'm going to be miserable the next day right i i'm happy to spend all day outside hiking and fishing or whatever but I do want to go back and, and get a good night's sleep. And so, you know, I think so many people have just thrown up tents over the years, especially coming out of COVID. There is no consistency. And it's similar to castles. There, there's so many properties that are just tired, worn out, haven't been updated. The service is terrible. You, you send an inquiry in and it's a month before you hear anything back. It's just not good service and that's not what's going to win. And so those are not the types of properties that we want as, as part of Storied or as part of Nook. So you've got Storied, you've got Nook. If you're willing to play along, I'm going to run through some other categories on Airbnb just as we sit here. And I want your initial thoughts on whether there's an opportunity to brand it. Viable okay. or not viable. Okay. Viable or not viable. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Tiny Homes. That can kind of be included in Nook if they're one of a kind. So, All right. yes. Houseboats. I wouldn't touch it. Caves. Well, okay. Houseboats or yachts? Houseboats are not yachts. How okay. I, I do think there's a play in the boating community, but... Uh -huh. Like, think boat on the canal in Amsterdam. Probably not, no. I, I wouldn't go after that. All right, caves. Uh, even though I'm in some niches, I think that might be too niche, so not viable. Uh, towers. If you can get enough key counts and develop them, uh, it could be a really cool brand. All right. Last one, containers. There, there's people doing really cool container stuff in the outdoor space. So I'm going to lump that into, into Nook. Okay. So it, it, well, I'll it, give it, you a couple more that I think are pretty viable. How about all that? Right. Okay. So wineries. Yeah. You, you, you got to think of how people travel as well, right? Mm -hmm. What people seek when they travel. In castles, it's you know, experiencing royalty. In Nook, it's the great outdoors. I think there's a play in surfing, in skiing, in golf, in wine. Beyond that, I personally don't know if I have it in me to start that many companies. Um, <laughs> but I think those are kind of the next viable plays aside from what I'm already working on. Okay. So bringing together properties in these locations that serve different use cases of great group homes for guys that want to go on or women to go on golf trips or ski outings and where there's already a big presence of homes and vacation rentals, but pulling together a collection that and maybe the top tier and that serves different markets around the world. Yeah. And I'd say we take maybe a slightly different approach that it could be more vacation rental style. It could be more hotel style, mm -hmm. but it's, it's accommodations, right? You, you might travel with your family and it's six people, or you might travel with, you know, a, a bachelor party and it's 15 people you're going to travel in different and experience different things with different group sizes. And some people prefer a house. Some people f prefer hotels. From a, a branding standpoint, I don't think that's a hard thing to uh, bridge to gap. It's more of, can you rank really high in search, not competing with the OTAs because you've, you've selected a niche and you really own that niche. Yep. 
And then do travel agents, do event planners think of you when, when they say, I want to, I'll give you another example. We're starting to have a name within the film industry in the UK because, oh, we hear you're the castle people. Like we, we need to film this. Do you have a period home from this, you know, with this architecture? We had someone ask if we have any houses with a specific type of wallpaper. I had to Google what they were talking about. <laughs> but you you find a niche and and again, there's ways to make money of bundling and unbundling. And if you can be the go-to for that niche, I am betting there's a, a nice win on the other side. But it, it sounds like the point is to unbundle Airbnb's categories and then not compete with Airbnb. Yeah, no, we don't even list on Airbnb. Yeah. No. Because you want to get the SEO, you want to get the search and get people going direct with you before they even make it onto Airbnb and start searching. Or maybe they start search, get the inspiration off of Airbnb and then start Googling from there. Yeah, exactly. And that's a large part of how travelers travel anyway. Mm -hmm. And we see it all the time. We could go to a wedding planner conference and then our houses all of a sudden get more wedding inquiries you know, the week later. They don't even come through us, which is fine because of how we've structured our business. You know, we're not taking a percent of, of bookings that we drive. We're not an OTA. We're not a platform. We're a brand. So similar to Marriott, you know, Marriott might take a small percentage for each booking they drive, but we, we're not in that game. We know, especially at the ticket price that we go after, it makes more sense to talk with the houses directly anyway, because they're going to know, you know, is this room ADA compliant? What kind of food does the chef cook? You know, they're going to know all the little ins and outs that are going to be important when someone's spending $20,000 on a, on a weekend. Yep. So getting to time now and, and sort of wrapping up the, the questioning, uh, one of my favorite questions to ask guests, and I, I'm not going to let you leave without, without asking it, is around data. And I, I know you've got your multiple businesses. I know you keep up with industry performance very closely given your, your news podcasts. But what, what data point do you follow? What, what do you think is most important to be thinking about in terms of either performance of the overall economy or just what's going on within our, our industry? Man, that's a, it's a really tough one. I, I, I don't think you can look at any singular data point and draw any meaningful conclusions because they're all intertwined. Mm -hmm. With Nook, it's, is this trend continuing to grow? So like, is the category growing mm -hmm. is, a, is a big thing. With storied, are people traveling to Europe from the US, right? Yep. So now that said, ADRs, occupancy rates, rev pars, how many companies are are still going to be around in two years? You know, there's a lot of scary data points out there right now. But when the the macro data points are so scary, and a segment like outdoor hospitality is still growing and still growing so quickly, that's a place I want to be, right? So I I don't have as many gray hairs as as you do, but I don't have a beard, so that's you know I'm sure my if I had a beard I would would have more gray hairs, but when I joined the industry and I went to my first Verma, I'm not exaggerating one bit. There were fewer people in their 20s, like I was at the time, than there were people with walkers. And the industry has changed 
so much and the rise and growth of shorts rentals over the past 10 years has been astronomical and you guys have have led the way with data and showing us that. I don't think the outdoor hospitality will be quite as big of a wave because it's not it, it is still a niche, but it's still going to be a really big cool wave and and I'm excited to be a part of that. Yeah, well, and I'm really excited to watch. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining and sharing with us. If I'm like happen to have a castle in in Europe or a a luxury glamping site that maybe I'd want to list with you, how would I get in contact with you? And how would our listeners sort of follow along with with your story? Yeah, I'm fairly active. I don't blast stuff out every day, but I, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So that's, that's going to be the best way. I'd love to have personal chats. We're not you know, automating anything. It's, it's very relationship-driven for, for both Nook and Storied. And yeah, the the members of each brand are going to be what drives the future of each brand. So we, we really want to have those good, solid personal relationships. And you know, I think that's what I've enjoyed so much about the hospitality industry as a whole. Globally, it's just so much fun to be a part of. And so, yeah, feel free to, to find me on LinkedIn directly and would love to, to chat. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining uh, Michael Golden.